Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sean Payne, owner and founder of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. I have my co-host with me today, Isaiah Chass. Isaiah, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, today we're going to uh, bump around a little bit and talk about what's going on in the Califi- California insurance, fire insurance market. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, just issues going on with people uh, losing their current policy, uh, having difficulty maybe when they're buying a home, getting putting a policy in place or putting a policy in place and then finding out during escrow that uh, their insurance company isn't going to provide fire insurance, so they have to uh, find a wraparound policy for that. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, about six weeks ago, um, I listened to a seminar by the uh, uh, California Department of Insurance um, and uh, talked a little about about the California's insurance market, which is uh, the largest in the United States and the fourth largest in the world. And so um, it's a huge market, and uh, we've just been hit with uh, inflation, cost of materials in recent years, and you know the last five or six years we've had some catastrophic fires. So you 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 put all those together, and uh, it, it makes it very difficult for uh, insurance companies to continue to operate that way. So uh, in the current real estate landscape, we're, we're, we're facing these significant uh, challenges, and they, they seem to be ever-involving that way. So we're going to try to give you information, but, but this really is just a, a guide only. Um, we're real estate professionals, um, and uh, we aren't uh, insurance professionals, but, but we're trying to get the, you know, the information out there because we do see this on a day-to-day basis, and we're, we're getting calls quite often about people that are in fi- high-fire-risk areas that way. And that being said, if you want to be in touch with uh, an insurance agent or someone that can speak from the insurance industry, we can certainly um, point you in the right direction with, with some trusted contacts that we have. Yes. And I would like to provide a link to this document as well. Uh, we put together just like a primer uh, of what we're talking about today with various links uh, to some resources that, that way. We're not coming up with this information on our own. Uh, and so we'll find a way to include that in the presentation that way. So, uh, but, but please do your own diligence, contact your uh, insurance agent and, uh, and uh, put your heads together to try to come up with uh, some solutions. So that being said, uh, again, I am not a, an insurance professional. But um, this is what my understanding is uh, that's kind of been going on is that, um, uh, again, we'll provide this information. But right about now, there's over 100 current uh, uh, companies in California that provide insurance. Now, uh, the ones that you're you're familiar with, um, you know, the big national brands, the Farmer, State Farm, things like that, they're really well known. And so often those are the first ones contacted uh, with uh, uh, for insurance policies. Um, but uh, again, I don't have the exact number, but I think it's like 103, 105 or something like that. I'm looking at the list right now. It's in this document I'm talking about where it shows that, that uh, all of the approved insurance companies that can provide fire insurance uh, in in California that way. And uh, on this seminar that I, that I was uh, listening to the, the state commissioner, he really recommended going through this list and looking um, and contacting some of these companies because he could because they have policies in place. And, and, and this is the part where we could be getting things wrong. So do your own due diligence. But what my understanding is is that these companies are allowed to put ten thousand new policies in place a month. Now you've talked to some insurance. Uh, uh, agents who say they're even doing less than that, but it sounds like they're capped at 10% by the state of California. Yeah. So uh, the agent that I use on a, uh, with a lot of my clients, uh, he about a 
gosh, maybe a week or two weeks ago, I was on a call with him and he told me that farmers is only issuing 7,000 new policies a month. And he said uh, last month, this was in September, that they uh, fulfilled that policy basis by the 8th of the month. By the 8th of the month, right. Now, I don't, I still don't know how that, whether it gets binded at the 8th of the month or if it has to close at the 8th of the month. That's still, I, I don't exactly know how that works. And we've talked about if, if certain clients still can get something, you know, right. saved away. I don't really know how that works. But regardless, 7,000 policies a month is not that much. No, not not for the entire state of California uh, that way. That's a, that's a small, I mean, a really small amount. So like on that note, what we've been told and, and is that it may be better to, um, if you can, close escrow at the first, you know, at, at the beginning of the month, you know, putting that policy in place beforehand. But I, I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems like we have had, we haven't had issues with uh, escrow's closing at the beginning of the month that way. So right. um, again, um, if you're you're facing uh, insurance issues, here's a list uh, that I you know that it, it's recommend contacting these different companies and seeing if they have policies in place because they're going to have you know uh, they don't have the the name recognition, so they're not getting contacted as much. So they very well may have policies that uh, uh, you know are in place that way. And and uh, you know I still think it's very good to shop around. You have the the fair housing plan insurance policy. Um, you know, interesting enough, that was put in place years ago during the Watts riots in Southern California, when after the Watts riots, they couldn't get insurance. Uh, insurance companies just left the area. And so the fair plan was put in at, at, uh, at that point. Um, it was never really meant for this. It was a Band-Aid. Yeah, it's a total Band-Aid. And so they've continued it for emergency cases, but it was not meant for this. So um, that being said, I have heard from people um, saying that they found insurance, but it was just below the, uh, the you know, the uh, the fair rate. It, there wasn't that much of a difference. So shop around a little bit and see, you know, what happens that way. So, um, but but uh, in this, we will be able to give you this, this document. It's also available on uh, uh, the Cal California uh, Department of Insurance's website as well, um, where they have this list of, uh, uh, of insurance companies. So that might be a good starting place for some people. Um, but what uh, the uh, California Department of Insurance is putting together is they've put together what's called a Safer from Wildfires program. That's not like just a title. That's the actual name of the program. Like when I was reading it, for some reason that kept escaping me when I said Safer from Wildfires. Yeah. Uh, but that's the name of the actual program. And it's so... Um, again, I may be getting this totally wrong, but from from the seminar that I was listening to, it looks like the the state of California is going to work um, with putting together some some requirements for like fire hardening requirements. They may be very similar to uh, the current requirements, but they may be tweaked a little bit. But they're supposed to be putting together these requirements, and then you come in and you do that mitigation on your home. You remove the trees that that are you know that are you know trees brush whatever it may be that that is. Uh, that doesn't fit these requirements. At that point, you get a certificate, and you can take that certificate to your insurance provider, and and, and that lowers your rate again. Uh, again, someone may call me crazy for saying this. this was just on the seminar. It seems like it's just all being worked out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the direction uh, it sounds like we're going. So and it sounds somewhat similar, almost like an AB thirty eight inspection. Yes. For those that don't know what that is, it's uh, homes in a high or very high fire severity area per the natural hazard disclosure would have to get uh, an inspection done by either the state uh, level being CAL FIRE or local jurisdictions being uh, city fire departments. Um, and a lot of those fire hardening 
requirements are included in that. So it, it kind of sounds like an adaptation of that to some extent. Yes. Yeah. I think like, you know, uh, that's for newer homes, but, but you know, uh, already existing uh, structures, putting something like that in place. And probably like rather than having the fire department come out because they'll get like inundated mm-hmm. with work, you know, maybe they'll be able to have like certify certain companies or whatnot to do these type of inspections that way. But like jumping into it, like the uh, from this safer uh, from wildfires program, they'll learn the 10 steps for being safer from wildfires. Here, here's the 10 things. So it's a class A fire rated roof, a five foot ember resistant zone, including fencing. So what that means is removing greenery and replacing wood chips with stone or decomposed granite five feet from around your home, which prevents fire from getting to the foot of the door. Uh, Replacing wood fencing connecting to your home with metal is critical because it can act like a candle wick, uh, leading fire straight to your home. Uh, That's the... uh, uh, California Department of Insurance uh, wording, not mine that way. So uh, continuing on, uh, ember and fire-resistant vents. Uh, if you go to like your local um, hardware store and ask to see the, what, what like a fire-resistant vents, you'll be like, oh, that's not on my home. So it's a little, it's a little bit different. You'll be able to visually see it that way. Uh, non-combustible six inches at the bottom of exterior walls. So having a minimum of six vertical inches me- measured from the ground up uh, and from any attached horizontal surface like a decked, which can stop embers from accumulating and igniting your walls. Non-combustible materials include brick, stone, fire cement, siding, or concrete. Um, Enclosed eaves. So installing soffits under your eaves can prevent uh, heat and embers from getting trapped uh, and igniting. Uh, Upgraded windows. So multi-plane windows are more resistant uh, to heat and embers from getting trapped. I'm sorry. I'm reading that totally wrong. Uh, uh, Are more resistant to breaking during a wildfire. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, one that Oh, you know, it's kind of intuitive. Cleared vegetation, weeds, and debris from underneath decks. So, like getting like you know anything that every now and then you'll see like bushes popping up through through the decks that way. You want to get rid of that, and and you know really uh, uh, any vegetation that's combustible around your home. Removable. This is an important one. I don't think a lot of people realize this. Removal of of combustible sheds and other outbuildings at least a distance of 30 feet. So, you know, a lot of people I know have put like sheds in for a little bit of extra storage um, that isn't 30 feet. They may not have 30 feet uh, to do that. So that's something you really want to look uh, look into. And these include, you know, sheds, gazebos, uh, ADUs, um, open covered structures with a solid roof, dog houses, playhouses, things of that nature. Um, You know, I think like they're supposed to be made of a composite metal that way so you can have like if you're less than 30 feet i, I you know, don't hold me to this but i believe like a, a metal shed is more appropriate than than something that can be combustible that way um defensible space compliance following state and local laws requiring defensible space including trimming trees and removal of brush and debris from the yard uh, and in this document there is cal fires defensible space page and your local city or county uh 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 May, uh, may have additional details. Here uh, in Sonoma County, uh, they go off Cal Fire's defensible space page. I know that Marin County has their own. Uh, so so depending on where you're at, your municipality may have more stringent standards that way. And being safe together. Safer from Wildfires uh, recognizes two community-wide programs, FireWise USA and Fire Risk Reduction uh, Communities, as small as eight dwelling units or as big as 2,500 units can create an uh, action plan and start building safer together. 
Firewise USA is a nationally recognized, pro nationally recognized program with proven results sponsored by National Fire Preven Prevention Association. What, why I think it's so important to bring this up is I think in order to get that insurance policy we talked about or that, that certificate, it's not, what I should have said, it's not only the homeowner that has to do their remediation, but the community they're in has to take some uh, actionable plan as well to qualify. So um, this process is going to be two-step. The, the inv individual property owner has to, has to uh, uh, be proactive as well as the community. Um, they need to uh, address this with one of these plans. So well, especially when the, the insurance providers are looking at a certain zip code, it's they, they can't really distinguish if they have too high of a, um, a, a they're over leveraged in a certain zip code just because your home is uh, might have a higher level of fire hardening. If the whole area as a whole is not up to that level, then they're, they're, they don't want to be involved in it. Right, right. Uh, and uh, just before one last thing before we actually go into like the defensible space requirements, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom was it last week, a couple weeks ago, he issued a, uh, a new executive order, um, which was a, a package of executive actions aimed at immediate and lasting changes to protect insurance consumers from climate change. Uh, in this document, you'll have access to that executive order. Um, I went through it. I don't exactly, you know, I I don't know how much teeth it has in it that way. But I do know that uh, uh, as a result of that, um, uh, uh, it, through the California Department of uh, Insurance and Ricardo Lara, um, he has uh, issued executive action to transition homeowners and businesses from the fair plan back into the normal insurance market, with commitments from uh, from fire insurance companies to cover all all parts of California by writing no less than 85% of their statewide market share in high uh, wildfire uh, risk communities. So, um, for example, if a company writes 20 out of their 100 homes statewide, it must, it must write 17 out of 100 homes in a distressed area. So, you know, that, that sounds good. I, I, I hope that works. Um, again, I, I think everyone needs to be proactive in this. My concern would be that, like, those type of orders may eventually cause some insurance companies to leave the state of California and then the pool lessens that way. I'm not an expert on this, but just I know that like those, I know the state of California is in somewhat of a tough situation that if they go kind of too hard at the insurance companies, they'll potentially leave. So there's kind of kind of have to be a you know a middle ground that way. Yeah, so. and let the free market decide that on its own, really. Yeah, to some extent, right? Right, right. Yeah. So why don't we jump into like just kind of like as of right now, it seems like the defensible space guidelines are, the, are your best starting point. So why don't right. why don't we go off some of those and what's going on that way? Yeah, so in this document. Also, there's a page uh, from California government website, particularly uh, from CAL FIRE. So um, CAL FIRE puts together a, dis a defensible space uh, guideline, and they, they classify it as um, two, really three zones. So the first zone uh, they call zone zero. It's, it's the closest to your home. Um, so that's a lot of the, the things that you just mentioned, um, using hardscape. Gravel, pavers, concrete, nothing combustible, including bark or mulch. Think about how many properties have bark yes. on their properties. So, so again, like this is something that like the at the community level, it's not being addressed, right? So we have like this uh, uh, water reduction uh, program in, in many communities where they'll come in and give you mulch and things like that, pull out your lawn. Realize that that may be adding mulch or bark or things mm -hmm. like that around your uh, – 
around your home within that five feet of dispensable space may need to be changed in order for you to qualify for whatever the certificate program is or just, you know, for insurance companies to see that. It should probably be gravel. Right. So. Yeah, and people overlook that a lot. Yes. Um, and on top of that, weeds, debris, um, things in your gutters, um, anything on the porch, stairways, uh, anything that's dead or dying that's easily combustible needs to obviously be taken out. Um, all branches within 10 feet of a chimney stovepipe outlet, chimney or stovepipe outlet should be removed. Um, and then anything such as firewood or lumber, that should be moved farther away from the home into zone two, which we'll get into that in a minute. Um, also, obviously, um, combustible fences, gates, which you talked about, anything Thing that can attach to the home or is attached to the home is a way that fire can get led directly up to the house. Um, so you get to zone one, which is anything within 30 feet of the house. That's zone zero is really thing directly abutted to the house. Zone one is uh, anything within 30 feet. Um, that's still anything, uh, any trees should be kept, uh, kept trimmed. They advise or they they say anything any tree should be 10 feet from another tree and the reason for that is obviously uh the fire will travel between the trees and if there's not space between those then it just keeps jumping through sure um so there should be separation between trees shrubs anything that can catch fire then you get to zone two which is anything uh within 100 feet um, and that's uh annual grass uh, cutting that down to four inches, creating horizontal space between shrubs and trees, uh, creating vertical space between grass, shrubs, and trees, removing fallen leaves, uh, keeping 10 feet around uh, exposed wood piles, and then uh, keeping 10 feet of clearance uh, to bare soil uh, and no flammable vegetation for 10 feet around the exterior of any outbuildings. Uh, you look at the the vertical spacing that I just mentioned, and they uh, they recommend that any shrub or plant, uh, there should be three times the amount of clearance of its height from any tree. So if you have a, a three-foot-tall shrub, there should be nine feet clearance between the top of that shrub and the base of uh, the trees. So like the lowest branches or whatnot? Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and same goes for horizontal spacing. Um, there should be three times uh, the distance in its height separating shrubs. So if it's a three foot tall shrub, it, it should be separated nine feet from another shrub. Um, now, if it's a moderately, moderately sloped property, uh, say 20 to 40% slope, they say that should be four times the amount. Okay. So if there's a, a three foot tall shrub, there should be 12 feet in between that. Uh, and then there's also separation between trees. Um, so 10 feet for trees um, on uh, flat to mildly sloped properties. And then when you get to moderate uh, or steep slope properties, which they're saying over 40%, uh, they're recommending 30 feet between any tree and then uh, six times uh, the height difference between any shrubs. All right. So that, that's pretty substantial. Yep. I mean, a lot of, you know, I have to do it at my house, but a lot of people need to take out a lot of trimming, maybe some tree removal mm -hmm. to make sure you're compliant. It's unfortunate, but, you know, it's important. And it's important that everyone uh, does participate in this to, to mitigate the risk of fire in your neighborhood that way. Well, just think about how many people have a wood fence up to their house. And yeah. you think, ah, oh, that doesn't matter. It's fine, right? But... 
Yeah, no, like I said, I, I put a dog run up in, in the back of my uh, backyard and it abuts up to my house. So no, I'm going to swap out uh, the gates uh, with metal gates to, to help with that issue that way. And a lot of things that uh, you don't realize. And so uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's a couple uh, uh, programs that, that kind of mirror these guidelines. Um, one is, so what Isaiah was just talking about was off uh, fire.ca.gov, defensible space. You'll be able to find those guidelines there. But there's also also, uh, two. Um, let's see here. Uh, two two uh, programs that are recognized by the state of California. One is preparing homes for wildfire, uh, which is uh, at uh, the. Oh, let's see what website is this? NFPA.org. Uh, preparing homes for wildfires. There's uh, guidelines there. Basically the same guidelines uh, as what Isaiah went over. They have uh, more schematics uh, and they. They call the zones. They have different names for the zones, but basically the same zones that way. So uh, that's another resource that uh, you can uh, uh, look uh, there. They have both uh, Spanish and England ver- uh, English versions of the fact sheet. Um, and then also um, you have the Board of Forestry and Fire uh, Protection as a resource as well that has a list of uh, recommendations. So you can check them out too. So. I forgot to mention on that uh, CAL FIRE document, there's a, a tab that you can request uh, a defensible space inspection. So oh, okay. if you're looking to have that done or, or need it done uh, prior to the sale of a property, then you can request that through there. Right, right. So um, again, we will make this document uh, available for, for people. If you have any questions, you know, please uh, ask questions in the comment section. Uh, if you're looking on this on YouTube, if not, please hit us up uh, and email us. Uh, 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 and uh, we'll get those questions answered because, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. uncertainty and um, I think things will change. Hopefully uh, this this insurance certificate program will become more clear. It will come out, and there's ways that people can do uh, the mitigation. And after they do that, um, get a reduced uh, uh, insurance policy that way. So hopefully that's coming. But uh, ask us questions, you know, and, and do your own research. There's a very good, uh, uh, you know, uh, very well may be that, that we got some of this wrong, <laughs> uh, we tried to get it right, or by the time you're listening to it, that it's changed. Totally. So just make sure that you're doing your own uh, your own due diligence that way. Isaiah, anything else that you want to go over with? Uh, no, the the insurance market is very fluid right now, and I think there's going to be a lot of changes as the time comes. Um, so definitely yep. reach out if you have questions. Yep, sounds good. All right. Well, uh, I'm Sean Payne, uh, owner and founder of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. My co-host Isaiah Chas. Thank you for. Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe.